Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, I'm hoping you guys are enjoying this holiday season. We just wrapped up with Thanksgiving a little bit ago, and we're getting ready, high speed, headed for Christmas. So you guys make sure for all your Christmas friends out there that are into the podcast, you go to letstalkdubs.com and you get them some shirts. Pick up some shirts, some merch, and uh, take care of the loved ones and support your favorite podcast at the same time. Uh, the end of this year is coming up pretty quick, but we do happen to have some stuff happening in January. One of the big things, as always, is going to be Buses by the Bridge. That's going to be January 13th through the 16th, Lake Havasu State Park at the London Bridge Beach. So you guys make sure if you got a bus and you want to jam down there, go hang out. I'll be there. Maybe stay in the night. Not 100% sure, but for certain, I will be there for the day in the crew cab. So Carbon Cab will be hauling the mail down there. I may do a uh, podcast live stream from there. Uh, it just depends on the feedback I get from you guys. So hit me up on my Facebook or Instagram and let me know you'd like to see a little bit of live uh, live podcast from down there. And we'll grab some people. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people down there to do podcasts with. So that's what we're going to be happening uh, in January right after that. At the end of January is the Big Daddy deal. And if you guys aren't coming to this, you need to come to this. It's the first time in history that the Grand National Roadster Show in Building 9 is going to be having Volkswagens there taking over Building 9. Building 9 is typically the building where there's a vehicle showcase. And this year, the showcase vehicle is the Volkswagen. The history of the Volkswagen. There are going to be lots of VWs that have not been seen in years on display in Building 9. So if you got the kids, the young ones, the kids that don't understand history, drag them down with you to the Grand National Roser Show. And that's going to be taking place January 29th and 30th, 2022. So make sure you guys get set and ready to go. For more information, go to rodshows.com, rodshows.com. You guys can get your club in there. They're going to be outdoor parking for all the Volkswagens that can enter the show. It's a three-day weekend. Uh, it's a three-day event, so make sure you guys get set up. Do what you need to do to have you and your club represented down there. Let's flood the parking lot with Volkswagens. This podcast is brought to you by VW Trends Magazine, the magazine for the people, by the people. That's right. VW Trends Magazine is back after quite a long hiatus since 2005. They're back on the scene. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an issue. High quality paper, high quality features. For more information, go to VWTrendsMagazine.com and subscribe today. What do you guys know about bolts? I'll tell you what about bolts. Go get yourself a 36-millimeter stainless steel crank pulley bolt from Ross Wolf. That's right. This new bolt, they have stainless steel, and it's indexed for a 3-8 ratchet to give you rotating options during your tune-ups. Nobody's bringing it to you like Ross Wolf is bringing it to you, so make sure you guys go to their website, rosswolf.com. Always support those that support your favorite podcast. Now, today's show, since we're on the subject of hot rods, and VWs are going to be at the Grand National Road Show, I thought it only fitting to track down a hot rod builder who just recently built a Volkswagen and have him on the podcast. So if you guys remember back a few years ago, quite a few years ago, from 2002 to 2007, there was a hot rod show on TV, one of the first reality TV shows for cars. It was called American Hot Rod. And if you watch it, it was the TV show that was about Boyd Coddington's shop down in uh, Orange, California, 
one of the main characters on the show, well, I say characters, one of the guys that worked at the shop, Dwayne Mayer, he was the guy that uh, on video was the crabby guy. He was the enforcer. He was the guy walking around, making sure there's no funny business, getting things done. He's been in the hot rod scene for a very long time. We get to hear his story as to why he just bought a Volkswagen, built it, his experience of going through and building it, as well as how he got into building cars in the first place, how he met Boyd Coddington, how he started to work for him, what he paid Boyd to build his first car. I mean, we got tons of information on this podcast, so I know you guys are excited to get into it. I'm excited to bring it to you, and so without any further ado, let's get into it this week, guys, with Dwayne Mayer from American Hot Rods, Inc. on this week's Let's Talk Dubs. Okay, everybody. So on today's show, uh, seeing that just in January, which is right around the corner, VWs are going to be taking a, a center stage at the Grand National Realtor Show in Building 9. Um, I thought what would be more fitting than to get one of the hot rod guys that's just built the Volkswagen on the podcast. And so on today's show, I've got Dwayne Mayer, where, where you might remember him from the reality TV show American Hot Rods, but he worked for Boyd Connington for quite a few years. He was a general manager of their facility down there. So on today's show, I'd like to welcome uh, Dwayne Mayer to the podcast. Dwayne, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, so, uh, you know, I listen, I'm a podcast guy and I listen to a couple of podcasts and, and I heard you on um, Chris's podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, I, I knew you were getting into Volkswagens, or you may have a history with Volkswagens, which we're going to find out in a second, um, mm-hmm. from my buddy Franchi, who was building a motor for you. Right. And when I saw that you were building a motor, I thought, man, this is pretty cool. Let's get him on the podcast and kind of dig into a little bit of why you decided to get a VW and and what direction went with that. So the way we typically start the podcast in regards to Volkswagens is how did you get into Volkswagens and what's your VW story? You know, um, it's, it's not much of a story actually. Sure. I, uh, I, uh, I've always, I mean, I lived in Southern California for 35 years and I see the Volkswagens there. They were like very, very popular, especially down by the beach cities, Huntington and Newport and all over, all over the beach cities. There's lots of bugs. And I had a friend actually that worked at a place called Johnny speed and Chrome. Yeah. And when I, when I, I grew up with this kid and then when I went to California, I stayed with him for a while and he was working at Johnny's at that time. That was in the early eighties. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and he worked at Johnny's, but I never really got into it. You know, I was into hot rods all the time, muscle cars and hot rods. Yeah. Cause, cause but, your background is you're from, are you from the, are you from Wisconsin? I'm originally? from Wisconsin. Yeah. Yep. And so yes. you move out there to Southern California. So it's like a whole, like out there it's hot rod city. Right. And then right. Volkswagen in, in California. Yeah. But, well, but, 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 but I was very surprised on, on how many Volkswagens there were and, and what they did with them was, was cool to me too. You know? Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of influence in, in, there's a lot of crossover. And what's funny is in the early days of like in the early eighties, especially, I remember there used to be shirts that said hot rods are for guys too fat to fit in Volkswagens. You know, there's a couple guys that, <laughs> and there was always like this dichotomy of like Volkswagens aren't really a real car. 
I never heard that, but I like it. <laughs> but, well, you know what I mean? But it was, a, it was just a different, it was a different, um, it was like two different generations, you know, kind of, yeah. kind of going yeah. at it. And so yeah. you're in Southern California, you're seeing all these Volkswagens, you kind of always admired them from afar. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, uh, like I said, my friend Craig, he worked at Johnny's and I, I would be in there visiting him and, and I'd go, God, I can't believe there's such a market for Volkswagens here, you know, like, cause where I grew up, Volkswagens were just for people that had no money. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. Right? So, so, um, and, and young kids basically. And, and I think it's kind of still that way. Um, what I see is, is like, uh, these hot rod guys, they have kids, you know, and their kids want a hot rod, but they can't afford to have a hot rod. So you, you could still buy Volkswagens fairly cheap. So you'd go buy a Volkswagen bug and then they just do their little thing to it and their dads would help them. And I think that's how this whole thing took off, you know? Yeah, no question. I mean, there's always a parallel I draw on the podcast that, that a lot of VW guys like in that era, there was VW guys and mini truckers. And, and I differentiate the two by VW guys were the guys that were that could actually fix their cars and had to because they weren't super reliable because they'd been messed with so much. But mm-hmm. it, it becomes like that you get into a Volkswagen because you can't afford a mini truck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but you can be just as cool. So it, it starts to build from there. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of guys that have evolved from the VW scene that have gone into hot rodding and building custom cars and all kinds of stuff. And a lot of their first cars were that. And I think that's one of the great things about VWs because they're no different than any other car. They just seem so much simpler, you know? Well, yeah. And that's, and that's part of the reason why I, what attracted me to, to build one for myself, you know, and is this- I heard, I heard over years and years and years about how simple these cars were and how easy and how fast you could do this and how quick it was. And I go, you know, I got to see for myself. I mean, I've been building hot rods for 40, 50 years and I never did a Volkswagen. So I thought to myself, you know, I ran across this one. I was, I was in Southern California a couple of years ago. It's 2020. I think it was. Uh-huh. And, uh, 2019 i don't remember exactly when but i ran across a friend of mine who was into muscle cars and and he had this i always stopped by to see what he was what he had in his shop or whatever but he had this volkswagen beetle sitting out back and i go what are you doing with the bug and he said well, i i bought it because he bought cars and sold them to japan right so he bought it from a guy in seattle and he was sending it to japan well the guy in japan backed out at the last minute so he had the, the car sitting there and I go, what are you going to do with it? He goes, I'm trying to sell it. And I, I, we worked out a price and I said, all right, I'll take it. Nice. Cause I was just going to take it back, back here to Wisconsin. I needed a, a in Wisconsin, the winters are long. So you, you, you need to have a project. You need to have something to do to, for your, with your time. Right. And I didn't have a lot of work going on cause I had just moved back to Wisconsin. So I had, I had a couple of things going on here at the old truck that I was working on and stuff, but I wanted to do a, a Volkswagen. And a so, VW in Wisconsin, it's not like a super popular thing, right? No, 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 not at all. Um, I, in fact, these people around here go, they come by to see what I'm working because they know my background and they see my <laughs> trailers out here with the hot rods on it and stuff like that. And they go, well, what kind of hot rod are you working on? Volkswagen. Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah. Volkswagen. That's not a hot rod. I go, you can just wait and see. Right, right. And so... So when you got this car, like what, what was your vision? And then how, you know, how was your approach different building this than it was to a typical hot rod or you went to the same, you know, like you go through the, it's the same yeah, process. Kind of, kind of, kind of the same process. I mean, 
of course I didn't want to sink a bunch of money into it because I didn't know what I was going to have in the end. Right. And, and so I, I thought to myself, well, I could probably do this fairly cheap. And, uh, which was, which was wrong. I didn't get into it. I didn't do it very cheap, but anyways, I thought I could do it fairly cheap and then I was going to learn on the way. And people were telling me, well, you know, this guy does this, this guy does this. I go, you know what? I'm going to do as much of it as I can myself. Sure. And, uh, so I started getting into it and then I, I, uh, there was a friend of mine over here in Wisconsin that he'd been following bugs for quite a while. And he knew a guy in, in Arizona named Buddy Hale. Yep. Buddy Hale. Uh, so, so that was my only VW connection that I knew was Buddy. And I didn't really know Buddy well. I never met him. I just knew of him. And then we talked and, and he always tried to steer me in the right direction. But when it came to building the motor, Buddy turned me on to Frenchie. Yeah. He goes, well, well, Frenchie does my motors and he does this and that. And I go, well, I got to meet Frenchie then. So I called Frenchie and right away, Frenchie's like, Dwayne from Boyd's. Yeah. Yeah. So we hit it off right away. I mean, he knew who I was and I wanted to know who he was and, and we got talking and, and, uh, the next thing you know, like I was going to rebuild the, the stock motor that was in it just cause it had a little bit of piston noise and it had, it had some issues, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a complete rebuilt car. It was an old Volkswagen. Right. And uh, so Frenchie uh, said, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And and he turned me on to uh, CB Performance up in Farmersville. Yeah. So I talked to CB Performance, and I got their catalog, and I fucking went through it, and I ended up ordering a complete new motor. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, a complete new uh, 2275. So I just and, decided uh, to just pull the pin and let's might as well go might as well go with the big dog right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. I figured, you know what? I want this thing to be a hot rod. I don't want to keep nickel and dime in this thing, so I'm just going to buy a brand new motor. And I bought this uh, CB Performance uh, 2275. Well, I am the first one to tell you I've never rebuilt a Volkswagen motor, even though it seemed pretty simple when I took the other one apart. But I just didn't know specs, and I didn't know I didn't know, you know. Sure, what I mean? sure. So, I, and I'm the kind of guy that common sense tells me to have the guy do it that knows, right? Because because you don't want to get it all together and then have a brand new motor fucking go bad on you. Well, yeah, south I'm, you, right? I'm sure you've had no shortage of hot rods dropped off at your place where the guy thought he was going to do it himself, and then it's more work to undo everything he did and start right. from the beginning. That's right. That's right. So, anyways, I met Frenchie, and Frenchie still a good connection i talk to frenchy on a weekly basis probably you know well yeah i mean listen that's a that's a pretty good connect right to get connected through um so buddy built a car for me uh that that covered back in 2009 my type 34 gia and uh-huh. I, and i've known buddy just because we're, we're two like wannabe california guys from the desert that we go to these shows in southern california for vws and yeah. we just kind of hit it off from years back but you know being piped in with buddy Buddy's like one of the the pinnacle of car builders for VWs, and yeah. he, you know he's actually building a car that's going to go for the Sloniker Award at this Grand National Roadster Show. So they're they're building okay. they're okay. building a Volkswagen that is like completely. You know, I think anybody who builds custom cars is part of the More Money Than Brains Club, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, uh, so to have those connections right out of the gate, man. You know, at least you don't start off on the on the wrong foot because a lot of times people will get into the VW scene 
and they'll start going down the path of being connected with the wrong builder. And I'm sure you see with hot rods, like like a guy gets, yeah. gets a hot rod, and then he gets connected with Joe Schmo ripoff, who's all all hat no cattle, and this guy's going to yeah. take his money and never build a car. And then the guy just right. gets burnt out on a car building thing. So it's good that More. you had you know good more times more times than not i think yeah and i think that's that's kind of the scary thing and then and then you venturing into the vw world they look so simple but when you're used to like you know american cars and and suspension just the suspension alone right it wasn't that simple it wasn't that simple i was i was swearing a lot of times and (laughs) on the phone with with buddy and then on the phone with a uh, Frenchie don't know that much about the suspension. I don't think. I mean, I I get the he gets the gist of it, but yeah, buddy, buddy, I could help me more with the suspension than than uh, than Frenchie did. But Frenchie with the motors and just VWs and VWs in general, Frenchie has a, a, a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, and and what's really interesting is, you know, with Volkswagens, you can go nine different ways on every single aspect of it. And, yeah. and that comes from, from, you know, I've, I've interviewed engine builders and I said, you know what, you know, I've got a, a guy who started out building, uh, you know, race VW engines and he's got a shop here in Vegas and he builds tons and tons of off-road race engines. And he says the time it'll take him to build one LS that mm-hmm. he can build five LSs in the time it takes to build one VW motor because of how, Is that right? of how much time it takes to build the motors just, just because it's so labor intensive between the balancing and all that stuff. And in the VW world, we get so short serviced with like, we don't get super high quality parts. I mean, there's like one or two places you can go, but other than that, just bearings, for example, and things to that extent, there's just so much variable variables in that, that, you know, when it comes to suspension and you're starting to talk suspension, it's like, okay, what do you do for beam? Are you doing narrowed? Are you going to do a arm? Are you going to do, you know, two inch narrowed, four inch narrowed shocks, no shocks. Like there's so many different ways they go on that. And when you build a car, like what do you start out with? Do you start out with like the body stance, the wheels, like what do you stance? First of all, that's what I did on this bug was stance was number one, uh, priority in my book uh it had to be low it had to be super low i wanted it slammed um but and once i got into it and i started i just went in first of all i got in uh, uh, what's the name of the place down there um j bugs in, yeah. in oceanside uh-huh. i got in j bugs catalog and i just started ordering parts <laughs> i had no fucking idea what i was ordering i just started ordering everything that i thought i needed i ordered it yeah and and uh, that kind of turned around and bit me in the ass. But anyways, uh, I got all the parts. I got the the beam axle, and I got the drop spindles, and I got all this stuff that I needed. And it was cool. It was. I, I ran into a little bit of a of a roadblock when I hit the uh, the internal torsion springs on on the front <laughs> I beam. I didn't I didn't yeah. know anything about that. But I learned. I learned, and I got through that, and I got it all together, and. And then uh, fast forward, when I started trying to drive this thing, it was too low. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't drive it. It was too low. The, 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 the front beam, the adjuster on the front beam axle was almost dragging on the ground. 
Well, and a lot of people don't, I mean, the bottom of the Volkswagen is super flat, but what they don't take into consideration is how far the front overhangs and how, how flush it is with the wheels. And especially living in Wisconsin because of snow runoff and all that kind of stuff, the ingress egress to most places is pretty steep. You know what I mean? That's right. That's exactly, you're exactly right. Exactly right. And people from California are a little spoiled. They don't really, they've got that two degree slope on every road and it's like not a big deal getting out of places. But the more you go East, the more you have bigger issues trying to drive that. So you're absolutely right. So you, that's, that's what I ran into. So you end up having to raise it, um, a little bit after you get it, after you finally get on the road. Well, see, here's my problem. I didn't want to raise it. I mean, I knew I had to raise it, but I didn't want to. I fought it the whole way. I go, I'm not raising it. It looks bitch in the way it sits right now. Right. And I don't want to raise it. <laughs> so I started changing tires and wheels and everything else trying to get the, because the first thing I did, it, it, the tires were rubbing on the, on the fenders. On the headlight blockers. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I, I so I, I'm just going to get a smaller tire and, and a narrower wheel. And I'm going to get that wheel more to the center of the fender, even though I had the narrowed beam axle, it wasn't narrowed enough, I guess. Right. Uh, and, and, and the tire was rubbing on the fender. So I, I changed tires and I, I used the same wheels, but I ended up just changing the tires. And uh, I didn't want to do that either because I had brand new tires that I just bought <laughs> and I had the wheels all painted up and pinstriped and all this I had it the way I wanted. I don't like to go backwards on a car, you know. Right. But but I got new tires and and put a smaller tire on it. And Frenchy kept telling me you need a smaller tire. And I go, well, I like the tire. I think the tires. I don't want a, a rubber band. I don't want a little peanut tire. I want something that's going to handle. Right. Because because I set this up to handle. Well, I had sway bar on it and everything else. Well, that's all gone now. I just got <laughs> rid of all that shit. I said, I'd rather drive it than, than corner. You know what I mean? Well, and they, they sit fairly flat. I mean, and, and like to throw them into they. I think maybe the biggest misconception is there's so little weight you're throwing around that it's not like a right. big, like a big bodied Impala or something like that. That's, where like, you yep. know, you need to have yep. a sway bar, you know, I've got, that's what I, that's exactly my thought, my thought process. When I, when I got the sway bar, I go, oh, that's cool. I put a sway bar on. It's easy. But then after I, I go, why do I need a sway bar? I mean, this fucking car probably weighs a thousand pounds. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to need a sway bar. I'm not going to need a sway bar. Yeah. So I just took it off and I was sitting around here somewhere in a box. But um, now looking at the pictures of the car, I really, I really like what you did with the interior because the interior is is a little bit of there's a little bit of that '60s hot rod in the in the interior design as far as the. Uh, the inserts for the seat upholstery. It almost looks yeah. like, like a, like an Impala style, uh, well, fabric or GM or something. Yeah, actually, actually. So, uh, I have another friend of mine out in California, uh, trader Tim, mm -hmm. uh, and trader Tim, he used to own traders truck accessories in Whittier uh -huh. for a long time. Uh, and I, and I used to work for him. I lowered trucks and stuff for him, but anyways, uh, I called Tim because he had a company at that time called beard seats. Oh, okay. And beard, beard seats was, they made a lot of off-road seats for dune buggies and anything that raced Baja and anything like that. Tim made the seats. Sure. So I called Tim. I said, Hey, I need some seats for this bug. And he's like, well, you know, he, 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 he wasn't into it anymore. Really. He, he sold the company and stuff, but he turned me on to the place out in uh, Riverside that makes the Volkswagen seats. Uh, I can't even think the name of it right now. Scott. Um, no, it's not scat. It's um, it's also uh, I don't remember. But they made 
Volkswagen seats and they're out in Riverside. Oh, TMI. 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 Yeah. Turned me on to TMI and I called them and they had a, they had a seat that was uh, not stock and I didn't really want stock. I wanted something that sat lower, you know, cause I want to sit low and drive low and I want the whole thing to be low. Right. Right. right for sure. And, and so, uh, I ended up buying them seats and then I had just sold a 63 Ford Fairlane at Baird Jackson, uh, the last auction in, in Scottsdale. Yeah. I just sold, I sold a 63 Fairlane and I liked this interior that was in that Fairlane and it had similar to this, this, uh, pattern of, of, uh, colored inserts, you know, just what they did in the sixties on, yeah. on the old cars, Ford's Chevy's, all of them, but Ford mostly, I think. So I just, uh, I, 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 I wanted to do this thing, a uh, color. I wanted to paint it a color cause it was white when I bought it and in black interior. Right. That's boring. That's boring as hell. hundred percent. So I thought, so I thought, you know what? I want to do it a pastel color, like a gray or something that, so I started looking at colors and I was looking at Porsches and I was looking at something that related to Volkswagens and I seen a light grayish green color and I go, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a nice color. That would be good for, for a, uh, for a sixties Volkswagen. Right. So then I, I picked out the color of the paint and, um, then I started looking at interior and I go, well, I want to do something that's also sixties style. And that's what I thought of was that Ford. And so I just went, picked out a green, a green, uh, material that kind of went with along with the, uh, with the paint, you know? Yeah. And then, then, then the other drama came when I had to try to find somebody here that could cover all the seats and stuff for me. Cause there's, I, I had a million upholstery guys out in California, but I wasn't about to send this stuff all the way to California to get them covered. So right. I said, I talked to a friend of mine <clears throat> over here. He worked for Dana Meekum at the Meekum auctions mm -hmm. and he did a lot of Dana's uh, personal cars. And he says, well, there's a lady down the street for me that we take stuff to, but she only does boats. <laughs> because because boats uh, up here are very very popular you sure. know, up here so so I went and talked to her and and he talked to her and she said yeah bring it over and I'll see what you got so I took took the seats over there to her and told her what I wanted to do and showed her the material and she did great she did perfect I mean no it it looks good man I mean I'm looking at it what the funny part is the VW is so basic. But yet, it's not that easy to do something in it and do something different. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like the door panel, it's just it's that same square panel and yeah. or rectangular panel, and and like trying to somehow kind of make it give it a little more flair and style. But you did a great job, man. I mean, for and, and that's the other thing. It's like you're a hot rod guy building a VW, and as much as you're a hot rod guy, you still want VW people to look at it and appreciate what you did because it's kind of like, right. you know what I mean? Like, there's a little bit, and I don't care who says they don't, like I don't care what anybody says, like everybody wants people to appreciate what they've done because then it shows that exactly. your exactly. style kind of merges into that style and it looks good. Yeah. But I, I think it's a real tasteful job that you did with this. I, well, mean, it, I appreciate that. Yeah. And and, uh, and I look at it and I that's that's one thing I really do like about it is the, is the interior, uh, according along with the color, and then with the, the dash and stuff, I painted it all the same color. And then I, you know, with with the, with the hot rod thing, we always had the steering wheels matched to the to the upholstery. Right. And so I just painted the steering wheel and painted the column. And the painter that I had painted, he goes, "You sure you want to paint the steering wheel? Is that's going to get a lot of wear and tear?" I go, "Doesn't matter. 
steering wheels have been painted for years. Right. I mean, yeah, you can paint it, just paint it. So he painted the steering wheel the same color as the outside of the car, and everything turned out great. And then I had plans. I I, I had a, a, a was going to put a radio in it. Right. Well, when I got down to to doing the the gauges, because I wanted to have some gauges to to monitor this engine, and I said, you know. I'm going to put gauges in it, but I don't want to have something hanging under the dash. I don't want a bunch of stuff that looks like it was add-on aftermarket stuff, you know? Sure, sure. So I took the radio out and I made a, I took the radio, I just ditched the radio idea. I said, okay, I got my phone and uh, some, some, he- some ear pods. I can just listen to my, right. my radio with that. And uh, I put gauges in where, the, where the radio was at. Yeah. Um, no, and I think slick. it looks, and I think it looks great. Then I used video gauges because video is, German and Volkswagen. I tried to relate everything to what I was doing, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. And the shift, the shifter in it, it's a stock shifter, or did you get a short throw? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a stock shifter. No, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, let me think about this for a second. Because um, it looks like it could be, they make some vintage speed ones that are short throw, but they look like a stock shifter, but it's more No, a it's throw. a stock shifter, but I shortened the I shortened the handle down. Yeah, okay. I cut it, cut it down and shortened it and then just put a different knob on it but um the transmission i got from uh out there in in fullerton it's a false no what's the guy's name is over and over off of uh, orange thorpe uh uh ranch rancho 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 transmission rancho yeah rancho transmissions and they frenchy turned me on to that guy and he said here call him and tell him who you are and and i used to work right there that's where that beard seats was right behind right like all behind there and then i and then i worked for a corvette guy at the same time uh, in the same time area uh that is in the same building as that you know so i knew of of where where they were at so i called him up and he didn't know remember who i was (laughs) you're in all all your old stomping grounds yeah but the freeway flyer is the transmission that i ended up putting in it it's it's geared for for more highway highway use you know and now, now the big question is on wiring. What did you do on wiring? Because a lot of hot rod guys, <laughs> a lot of hot rod guys go right for a painless setup. Like, oh, I'll just do a painless. And then the VW guys, like, no, oh, man, I can't believe you did that. Put that kind of setup. so. What did you do for wiring yeah. on this one? Well, that's that's another sore subject. But <laughs> I got into the wiring, and I, and the wiring in it, it all worked. Everything worked. But when I started pulling it out of there to paint it, it, it was just butchered up, kind of pieced together here and there. And I said. I just ordered a whole new uh, stock wiring harness. Right. So I put that in there, but still, even to to today, I still got issues with the wiring. I, I you know that that Volkswagen wiring is total opposite of what I'm used to. Oh, 100%. It's, it's like yeah. night and day. And, and the craziest yeah. part, when you get the instructions, like I could see coming from your world, right? Like you have Painless, this big corporation making these beautiful wiring setups and then you order a vw like a wiring works kit and it's like four times copied over <laughs> hand drawn you know d- yeah. schematics and all stuff and you're like it's like what but well the problem that i had uh the problem that i had bill was the um the the wiring diagram that they sent me with the new harness right it didn't match the colors of the wires that were on the new harness it matched the colors of or it didn't match the old harness the the colors were all different so i'm trying to go through this harness figuring out colors of wires and where they're going yeah 
and then there are different colors than than what was it was in the car in the first place so i'm trying i, I had crossover <laughs> back and forth and it just was it was kind of a nightmare but yeah, well and the, the crazy part is you you're lucky enough to have a 67 right so 67 yeah. is, a 67 has a spe- specific details just to a 67 and yeah. when it comes to wiring and the hazards and the turn signal switch and yeah. some of the relays are specific 67 only so um, you know, yeah. it's like the pinnacle year, right? It's the last year. Most VW guys are into Volkswagens last year yeah. for the blade bumper, the wide five, all that stuff. But yeah, I heard it was the first year for a lot of stuff too, but it is the first year for the vertical headlights, the snub deck lid. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. a lot of one year only stuff on it as well, but it's, yeah. you know, 67 is like a great year. I mean, what, so what's the color that, that that's on the car? The color is actually, it's, it's a, it's a 82 land rover 82 land rover green oh really i just went through a catalog and started looking for greens that i liked and this was one that one of the ones that popped up and then and it was from an 82 land rover no that's right yeah. and how long ago yeah. have you, how long because i know frenchy was just posted on facebook probably six months ago he's doing your motor so the car's done run and drive in the whole shot yeah. now yeah 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 and what's yeah. the furthest you've taken that dude on a cruise for uh probably gone 100 miles on it oh really probably. yeah so but and there's still issues like i said the, the 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 bottoming out issue the dragging the front beam on the ground with the with the adjuster and <laughs> because because and it's and if i go on the highway it's pretty good yeah. i don't have to really worry about it too much but if i'm going down a country road or whatever like you said, the, the roads are crowned here. Yeah. And and if you drive in the middle of the road, the center of the road's higher than than your wheels. Oh, hundred percent. So so I, I, and that's another thing I'm still trying to work out. But um, I think I think I know what I did wrong. Yeah. And and I, and what I did wrong was I did a, a dropped beam axle and dropped spindles. Yeah. So you have you have cut and turned beam and you've got lowered spindle. So even if you're like yeah. max height, so the, we all know the purpose of the spindles is to give you the stock ride and relocate the wheel position. Right. But right. then if you buy a beam that's already turned a little bit, you're already starting, your zero is already lowered so much. You know yeah. what I mean? So then yeah. you're yeah. not getting any of that, any of that spring tension. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. There's, well, it's like I said, this whole thing is a learning curve for me. Um, but I'm getting through it and, and, and I'm learning, you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's like Frenchie goes, fuck, you're going to be an expert at these things. I go, yeah, I wouldn't fucking hold your breath. Right. But I mean, it's, it's like as much as it's, it's a car with four wheels, two doors and, and a hood and a trunk. Yeah. It's a whole yeah. different world. Right. I mean, then the, yeah. then the hot rod. It world. is, it is, it is. Especially the rear engine and everything else. I mean, I, you know, luckily I had a whole winter. Right, <laughs> and I and I and I wasn't in any hurry, and I didn't have a customer knocking on the door telling me to hurry up or nothing. I just did it on my own leisure time, you know. Yeah, and that's I mean that's got to be nice to be able to build something on your own to take your time, especially yeah. something new. It's like it's one more thing. I, I the craziest part about the difference, right? When you're building a hot rod, it's like we're building this new top secret, fully modified '59 El Camino, right? Whatever. And we're yeah. just hoping there's not another El Camino that looks just like it. And then you move into right. the, the realm of like, now you're building a bug and you can only yeah. go so, so different because the shape, the look, everything is really the same. And it's like, what unique features do you make it your own? Right. You know, so. Yeah. I mean. So I, my whole, my whole deal was the stance and, and I wanted it to be fast. You know what I mean? Fast enough. Is it I fast mean, enough I, for you? 
Yeah, not really. Not really. <laughs> but it's a 2275. You know, I have a friend of mine uh, that I used to work at Boyd's back in the 80s with me. Uh, he was a big Volkswagen aficionado. His, his name was Danny Gabbard. Yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah, Gab Fab. Ga- Gab Fab, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gab Fab. He came to work at Boyd's when I first started there in the 80s. And he was going to be, you know, one of the sheet metal, uh, metal men over there. He didn't last very long. He didn't like how Boyd ran the thing or whatever, but right. <laughs> he, he ended up, but, but I kept in touch with Danny and, and we're good friends still to today. But anyways, uh, so Danny, uh, got me turned on to the Volkswagen drags way back then. Yeah. Uh, and, and I went to their, to one of the bug ins with him or something. And I seen how fast that like Gene Berg was going and all oh, that yeah. stuff. And I go, Oh, that's, that's cool. I need to do a turbo. If I'm going to do this thing, I need to put a turbo on it. I need to, but then I didn't want the, the trouble. Yeah. Then it's everything else. It's chasing the next thing that's going to, yeah. Cause it's like, so, yeah, you either go top, you go top in on everything or you try to build it a little bit mild. You know what I mean? But I wanted it to go fast. So then Frenchie told me, you know, about these motors that, uh, CB performance was selling and, and, uh, I picked this 2275. That was pretty good size engine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Frenchie built it and sent it to me. And all I had to basically do was install it. But that was another problem I had because the, uh, because the transmission that I bought from, from Rancho, <laughs> yeah, the bell housing still six uh, volt <laughs> must've been six volt. Yeah. And so I put the motor in there and I get it in there and I fucking go hit the starter and nothing happens. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I take this thing apart again and, and and Frenchy goes, you know, you, you, the flywheel might be rubbing on the, the bell housing. I'm like, so I call Rancho, and they're like, no, 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 no. And anyways, I take it out, and sure enough, that's what was wrong. The the the, the flywheel was rubbing on the bell housing. Yeah, there's there's all these little intricacies that us as VW guys that we they all they always know. I mean, I I got my buddy at the transmission shop. He's got a 12 volt flywheel with with two arms welded to it that he just mocks up inside a transmission and just really just grinds out the whole you know tranny hole so that way you can put a 12 volt flywheel in there without yeah. having an issue and it's one of those things well, where it seems so easy right how many times have you put a motor in a car <laughs> right millions <laughs> and it's like but anyways this vw anyways, is killing so, I, so so i call rancho and tell them they go oh no no we 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 put them on a fixture and we 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 it might be a six volt bell housing, but we, we, we turn them with, we got a fixture that cuts them out for the 12 volt flywheel and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, evidently they missed mine <laughs> because I had to take in there with a rotary file and start cutting, cutting aluminum away to, to get that flywheel to turn. Classic. You know? That's classic. So that's all the stuff that I'm, that's all the stuff that you learn as you're doing it. I mean, before I started and I don't count it as something wrong, something bad, I learned from it. Anytime you learn something, then you did good. No, it's for sure. It's for sure uh, an experience that you need to go to. If you think like, well, I can build one of those. And you think like, ah, they're pretty easy, but it's like learning. It's a whole new landscape, you know, with, I mean, learning, even the headliners are completely different than, (laughs) Oh, that don't get into the headliner. I did that too. You did your own headliner. Yeah. Well, I tried to, (laughs) I tried to, I bought, I bought, I took the old headliner out and I, I bought the new, the same headliner. They have like the stock headliner and they have the, I don't know, they have different, how many, how many piece headliner and right, seven one piece, piece headliner. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so I, I said, well, which one's the best? 
well, you know, everybody likes this one here. So, I, well, give me that one. I mean, it costs the most money. It must be the best, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> so, but when I came time to put it in, I fucking, I ruined that fucking headliner. <laughs> I was, I, I didn't know, you know, as far as how to put it in. I guess I didn't pay much attention when I took the old one out. I just took it out. Well, yeah. and if you watch the old, you watch the old factory videos, they have like, they, they have like women on the assembly lines just starting to rack in the headliners like super quick. And you look at it and you think like everybody I know that's done headliners, a headliner is a full freaking day job. And in the factory, you're watching these people just rack these things in like 15 minutes. They got a headliner in the car is moving down the road. It's super tight, like all this stuff. But the way that it glues into the windows, it's, it's such a different yeah. world than the American car world. So, so what I did, I took that new headliner and I put it up there and I got the bows in there and it's hanging in there. And I'm like, okay, this ain't going to be so bad. Right. Well, right. I, I, you know, the rails that go around the windows, uh, I thought, well, there's much, there's a lot of extra pieces for this headliner. I don't know what they're for. So, <laughs> I just started cutting them up and I was making covers for the, for the, 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 around the door and around the, and the, around the back window and all that stuff. Right. And I started making pieces with them, but then I find out that stuff was for the visors. I go, no wonder it didn't fit. So anyways, I had cut up the headliner where it was no good anymore. So I just fucking ordered another one and took it to a guy that did Volkswagen headliners. And <laughs> it's, it's great now. It looks great now, but, but I mean, that's the stuff that I, that I didn't know. That's, yeah, and everything is technique, really. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like the you know the more the more you do it, the more you kind of get in a rhythm of doing that right, stuff. Right. Right. Yep. And you know, I I tell people all the time. I go, you know, these people that tell you how easy these things are to work on, they, <laughs> they can kiss my ass. <laughs> They've never built one. Well, they, <laughs> that's and, probably it. Yeah. And, and you know, they aren't they aren't hard if you know. Right. And they're, and they're and you know, like putting the motor in, that's easy, right? Yeah. With one person, it isn't that fucking easy when you're, when you're after everything's painted up and you're trying not to scratch anything, then it's, you know, it's a little bit difficult, the, but the tolerances are super tight, super tight. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I think it's, you know, <clears throat> I think it's awesome that, that you, you built a Volkswagen for yourself and you did this stuff because I think now when you look at a Volkswagen that's built, you're going to have a completely different yeah. appreciation for what it takes to go through, especially when you know, there's so much work that goes into a Volkswagen to, to, to redesign the suspension so that it fits inside, inside the stock wheel housing. Because a lot of people like in, in the V8 world, it's like, Hey, we'll just get wider fenders. We'll just get this. Oh, they make 19 different types of wheels. They make 14 different types of A-arms. We'll get it however we want yeah. it, put the wheel where <laughs> we want it with the Volkswagen. You're kind of, you're working within these specific parameters and you got to get as creative as you can while staying within those parameters because it's you're you're a set of stretched fiberglass fenders from being on the outside of the group and everybody looking it's like who's this guy with yeah. the moon buggy you know what i mean so it's <laughs> it's definitely you know because vw people are as as cool of a crowd as the vw people are they are pretty specific to like what's what's good and what's not or what's acceptable uh, and what's I, not. I can imagine i mean i can imagine that you know yeah. what i mean but i, I think listen for the job, I looking at your car and the job that you did on your car, it's a great looking car. Um, it definitely doesn't look it doesn't look like oh yeah that was a hot rod guy built that car because it 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 it's got some hot rod style to it, but it still fits within the parameters of like a SoCal kind of vibe, a look of you know a, a good looking street car. You know. Yeah, I was I was doing the I did a surfboard to match. I didn't show you that yet, but it's it's a yeah. I got a picture yeah, of the surfboard so, on the so, roof. 
Yeah. Well, like- the surfboard. So the surfboard, <clears throat> I've had that surfboard since the early eighties. When I first moved to California, the first thing I had to do was buy a surfboard and go surfing. Right. I lived down <laughs> in Seal Beach and I bought the surfboard. Well, I surfed for maybe uh, a year and then I just gave up on it. I work got in the way and stuff and I didn't have time to go to the beach. I didn't live at the beach anymore. So I moved away. So anyways, uh, I always liked the surfboards. I would go down PCH in, in Huntington and see all these surf, these bugs lined up with surfboards on the roof. And I wanted to have a surf bug, you know? Yeah. So, but I'm working on the surfboard out here in Wisconsin. People are like, what's that thing? <laughs> oh, that's a surfboard. Yeah. Oh, what are you going to do with it? Uh, it's for my car. Why do you need it? Why do you need it? You can't surf around here. <laughs> Uh, it ain't it ain't for surfing. It's for looking. It's for looks. <laughs> right know? to finish finish off the look of the car. So the rack that the the car came with a roof rack on it when I bought it. Yeah, wood slat. But it but it wasn't but it, no, it wasn't wood slats. It was just a metal. Oh rack. yeah, late model aluminum one. No, this is an early early, and it's shorter than the ones I looked at in the in the, in the J bugs and stuff like that catalog. Right. It's, it's shorter, closer to the roof, which is I thought was better anyways. But uh, it didn't have any wood on it. So I went out and bought a bunch of oak slats and cut wood and sanded them and cleared them and put wood slats on it. Well, then when I did that, I was doing the surfboard and and uh, a friend of mine came over here and he goes, why don't we put wood on the board? I go, wood? This 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 isn't a long board. This is just a, a surfboard. Well, anyways, he airbrushed wood and it looks just like real wood. Yeah, it looks, it looks good. just like. I'll send you a picture of the from the top of that surfboard, but it looks like real wood. Yeah. And then uh, and then we did like a Hawaiian um, pinstripe theme um, down the center of it, and, and it, it turned out great. You know. Yeah, I mean, it fits the car, and it definitely. I'm sure you get a lot of looks in Wisconsin, but uh, it, it, yeah, it'd be right no at home idea. in Orange County, man. That thing just right. bombing down the road. And that's what I'm thinking in the end here. That's probably what I'll have to do is take it back to the to the to the west and and sell it out there if i sell it you know <laughs> so because people here just don't appreciate volkswagen beetles it's it's a different thing and i, and I kind of wanted to get into a little bit of your history right because you know as we go through our car life our hobbies and tastes they kind of evolve a little bit how did you first get into customizing cars and get into that whole world well, before I jump into that, let me tell you one oh, yeah, more yeah. thing oh, just yeah. before I just so I don't forget because because it came up just a few minutes ago. You were talking about the Sloniker Award yes. at, at the Roadster Show. Um, I worked for a guy from Sweden uh, when when I first got to California. I worked for this guy from Sweden, and he did a custom Volkswagen Beetle. Uh huh. And he took it to Oakland to the Roadster Show when it was in Oakland, California. Yeah. And he won the Sloniker Award with that. Hmm. And that was in probably 1987, 88, maybe. He won the Sloniker Award with that Volkswagen Beetle in 1987. But you're going to have to hold your stomach for a second because this wasn't a normal surf Beetle. It was like a, a low rider with hydraulics, and it was pink. Oh, pink lady. Pink, the pink lady. lady. Yeah. That- yeah. Burnt. Burnt. Uh, he was my partner, and he worked with me at Boyd's for a long time. He was our painter. He built the Pink Lady. Did he and really? They, yeah, yeah. He built the Pink Lady. He built it originally in Sweden, and now all the Swedes that worked at Boyd's, we were <laughs> they were all joking because because I said, "Hey, Boyd's hired a new painter from Sweden. Did you guys hear? Now who is it? Uh, Bert Bert Carlson." And they go, "Oh shit, he's not bringing that fucking ugly bug with him, is he?" <laughs> 
And I go, yeah, I think so. And they go, they were just trying to figure out how they could sink the ship. <laughs> they didn't want that thing in California to give them a bad name. Wow. But, but it, it was a popular car. I mean, it, it fucking, he did a lot of work on that thing and he was, he did good work. Well, there's, I didn't like the car. The car was ugly, <laughs> yeah. but, but you could, you could kind of appreciate all the work that went into it. Well, definitely a face only a mother could love. I mean, if you're building yeah. that thing, but the reality is, you know, pink lady, it, th- there's the, I don't know if they, have, if they have cars like this in the hot rod world, but there are cars that are like, they cross a line so far, they become mm-hmm. legendary. Like yeah. nobody likes it, but everybody remembers it. And now enough times gone by where my understanding is they were really trying to get pink lady to be at the grand national roaster show for right? the gathering of Volkswagens. Yeah. So, hmm. and the guy you're saying the guy who worked at Boyd's Bert, is he in the TV yeah, Bert, show too? Bert. Yeah. He was the painter yeah. he, after Charlie, after Charlie quit. Uh, I told Boyd, well, I know what we can do for it. But Boyd was all paranoid. What are we going to do for a painter? What are we going to do? I go, I got an idea, but you're going to have to eat some crow because him and Burton had a big falling out right. uh, years before that. I said, you might have to eat some crow, but I think I can get Burton to come back. He goes, well, see what you can do. Yeah. So I went and talked to Burton and got Burton to come back. And even after Boyd died and, and Burton and I opened up a business, American Hot Rods, we opened it up together. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. and so I want to get into some of that, some of that history. Um, and it obviously starts with you and your and your automotive passion. Like, how did you first get into doing doing custom car work, and and well, how, how does that story get you to California? Well, okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to start from high school. You know, uh-huh. I got I was in high school. I bought my first car. It was a '67 Chevelle Malibu. Uh-huh. Um, I loved that car. It was it was it was a hot rod. It had a 327 in it, and it was it was a nice car. Um, I ended up. Uh, Having a friend of mine paint it, a, a, a good body, friend of mine had a body shop. He painted it, and the paint job turned out beautiful. And then I changed the wheels, and I did this and that. And it was an icon in the high school that I went to. I mean, everybody knew Dwayne Chevelle. Right. Right. So, anyways, that that got me started, and then uh, sold that car. Oh, I traded it in in 1977 for a, a Trans Am, mm-hmm. uh, 77 Trans Am. I wanted the your bird on the hood and all that yeah. stuff, you know. The, the bandit Burt Reynolds, car. the Burt, bandit. Yeah, but yeah, mine was red, but it was it was the bandit car, seventy-seven TA. So I traded that Chevelle in and I bought that Trans Am, um, and still talking with the same guy that painted the Chevelle all the time. He was he was building a Camaro at the time, and he and it was and it ended up on the cover of Hot Rod magazine in nineteen eighty-two. Yeah, uh, and and I helped him a lot with that. Anyways, so um, what's his name? He his name is Greg Ray, R E A, and it was December of '82 Hot Rod cover, uh, the Cherry Camaro he called it. But anyways, I hung around him and we went to a lot of car shows together. And I and then I I had a guy that came into the gas station I worked at and he drove a '74 Trans Am and it was a Super Duty 455. Right. I don't big, know if you're familiar. The, the big dog. Oh yeah, I know American yeah, cars too. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the Super Duty Trans Am, but he drove that into the gas station, and I'm and I'm pumping gas in this thing, going, "This don't sound like my Trans Am." Right. Uh, it, it fucking it was awesome, and I tried to buy it, tried to buy it, and then finally one day he called me. He goes, "Hey, I'm selling my Trans Am. If you're interested," I'm like, "Yeah, I'm interested." So I sold my '77, bought this '74, <laughs> and then and then it was right in the sh- show car circuit time that I was going to all the car shows and stuff. So I. I had to have 
this Trans Am had to be just like these show cars that I was looking at. Yeah. Right. So I, I totally disassembled the car down to nothing, painted the, the frame, the same as the, 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 the body and, and painted the underside of the car. I mean, I did everything to this thing. And then, uh, that's about when, when I, when I met Boyd, cause Greg, the guy with the Camaro, he, he was into Boyd and he was looking at these Boyd cars and hot rod magazine and stuff. So I seen Boyd was building a, a giveaway car for the Tropicana Hotel in Vegas. Oh, really? And, yeah, he built a giveaway car. It was a 32 High Boy Roadster that he was building. And I go, you know what? I got to go see this car. I've never seen one of these Boyd cars before, and I want to go see it. So I hopped on my motorcycle and rode it over to Vegas from Wisconsin. Really? Yeah, and went over to Vegas and, and met Boyd and, and seen the car and then started talking to Boyd and told him about this truck that he had just done, it was a blazer with a blown big block and something. Anyways, a really cool truck from a guy from Texas. And he goes, well, that truck's already sold, but I could build you a truck like that if you want. And I'm thinking, fuck, I'll never be able to afford a Boyd built truck. To my surprise, it wasn't that expensive. Really? I mean, it, it, this was in 82 or 83. Yeah. And the truck was a 77. So it wasn't that old of a truck to begin with. Right. Right. But, but Boyd said, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to, I want to paint it, uh, Boyd red. Cause that's what he was doing. All of his cars, Boyd red. And I want it to, you know, to be low. And I want, and so he gave me a price. It was like 6,500 bucks. At no the time. way. Yeah. Really? To build me a custom. Yeah. To, to build, me build a it or truck. just, or just paint it? Just no. To he, build? No. He built the whole truck. He Holy found, he, he found, found me the truck. He did the body and paint. He lowered it. He did the roll pan. He did uh, the upholstery. And he was supposed to put Western wheels, which was all the rage back then, these Western wheels. They were yeah. um, a truck wheel kind of. But yeah. he was supposed to put that on it. Well, he's so the whole thing was 6500 bucks. I went to my local credit union and said, hey, I want to buy this truck. I need 6500 bucks." They said, no problem. Here it is. So I sent the money to Boyd and he was building the truck and then he was almost done with it. And I called him and he goes, yeah, it's coming along real good. It, it looks nice. And uh, the only thing I think it needs is a set of Boyd wheels. And I go, but I knew from the magazines that the wheels were, they were $3,250 for a set. Yeah. And that was in 82, 3250 for a set, a set of uh, billet wheels. Right, right, right. That, you, that only Boyd could make you. You know, you couldn't get them. You couldn't buy them in the on the market. I and mean, Boyd only made them wheels for cars he was building. Yeah. So I said, I said I can't afford them, Boyd. I, I said, you know, I just, I just, just go with the Western wheels. He goes, nah, nah, you can afford. It. I'll give you a good deal on them. And I'm like, oh, good. Well, if you're gonna give me a good deal, let's go ahead and do it. Yeah, <laughs> so take them. Right. So, so he goes ahead and does the their knockoff wheels. True knockoffs. Really, like they a spindle mount, like a like spindle a spindle mount. Yeah, wow. spindle mount wheels. They were actually wheels that were made for the NASCAR, not NASCAR, the sprint car world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sand, Sanders Sanderson Engineering built these built these wheel these hubs the hubs and Boyd built the wheels. He used sprint car hubs, and 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 they made the billet aluminum machined wheels. Well, anyways, he put the wheels on it, and I went. I flew from Wisconsin to California to pick it up. I was going to drive it back 
and I get there and, and I go, all right, cool. Well, I already paid for the truck, but I need to pay him for the wheels. I go, so how much do I owe you for the wheels? He goes, uh, thirty-two fifty. <laughs> I go, Boyd, you said you were going to give me a good deal. He goes, that is a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> I go, but that's what they're, that's what they're advertising the magazine. He goes, I know that's a good deal. Oh, that's too funny. So basically, I, I was too late. I already had the wheels on the car. The fucking machine work was done and everything. So he went and uh, I picked it up and I drove it back to Wisconsin, and it was a hit here. I fucking won every car show I entered in, you know. Really? But it was a Boyd car from California, and people hadn't seen anything like that before. Right? Now, now was, he, was he building that in a shop or at, at his house? In his house. At his house. At his house. Yeah, because my, my understanding is the story of him is he was like a machinist that worked at Disneyland. Disneyland, that's right. He and, worked at and Disneyland. Then like a, and then a bunch of guys that were at Disneyland, like in the engineering department, like all built hot rods and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. But he was still at his house on Orange Avenue in in, 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 in uh, Buena Park. And uh, and that's where I picked up the, the truck and, and just got to know him. And then, I, you know, over the, the next year or so when I was driving the truck, there was things that came up and I'd call Boyd and he'd walk me through. And he one day he just says to me, he says, why the fuck don't you get out of Wisconsin and come out here where it's warm? Because it yeah. was wintertime here. And I go, yeah, don't ask me twice. I go, what am I going to do? Yeah. What am I going to do? He goes, well, what do you want to do? He goes, you want to work on cars? And I go, well, yeah, I do. I, I would like to work on cars, but I don't know, not to your to your level. Sure. And he goes, and he goes, uh, well, hold on. Let me, let me check a couple things. I'll call you back. So he calls me back and he goes, you want to sell machinery? I go, I'm not much of a salesman, but what does it pay? And he said, well, I got a friend of mine that he's looking for a helper to sell lathes and mills and stuff like that. And I go, ah, you know what? I don't know, Boyd. And so another couple months went by and he calls me up. He goes, Hey, you ever cut glass? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, for like storm windows and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he goes, all right, get out here. I got a job for you. I'm really? like, okay. So, and, and it was laminated glass for all the hot rods. Mm -hmm. He had a guy that was cutting glass for him that I guess the dude was on drugs, which everybody was in the eighties, but right. Uh, and he, and he fucking went off the, he, he, the windshield he was putting installing in the car cracked and the dude fucking threw a hammer through the windshield. <laughs> and Boyd said, that's it. Get the fuck out of here. You're a loose cannon. I don't need you here. So Boyd flew me out or and I drove out. I told him, all right, I'll be there next week. I, I, I had a roommate at the time. I was only 20 something, you know? Right, right. So I, I had a roommate and I told my roommate, Hey, you, you take care of, you take care of the house and the dog. I'm going to California. He goes, what, what are you going to do? I go, I'm going to go work for Boyd. And he goes, all right. He, he thinks, ah, he'll be back in a month or so. <laughs> he ain't going to stay out there. Anyways, 35 years later, I end up fucking coming back, but only cause my mother got sick. You yeah. know? So I had to come back, but that's how I ended up in, in working with Boyd. And that's how I ended up in California. And now you're working with Boyd, so you start. That's your first time working in the automotive industry. Yeah, I, I was a welder at a, at a paper machine company out here in Wisconsin. I, I did welding, uh -huh. and I did I did uh, rough grinding and polishing and a, a lot of stuff like that. But as far as working in a in a shop building cars, that's my first time. I did it on, on for a hobby. Yeah, with my friend with my friend Greg that built that cover car for Hot Rod in '82. Um, but I worked with him and that he got me really involved in, in the custom car world. 
but Boyd actually gave me a chance to do it, you know. And that's pretty I mean that's a pretty fortunate thing because you know Boyd at the time was was cutting edge and I mean I'm assuming he just opened his shop up and he's like, "Man, I just need good I need Yeah, guys. he was need the shop wasn't even Oh, the shop was open. When I when I first got there, that's he had just opened that shop maybe a month before I got there. Yeah. And he was working out of it. Like I said, he, I picked the truck up at his house. And then he he said he got tired of red Loctite on his French fries, so he had to have a place with a separate lunchroom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. So, so so he had opened up this new shop and then that's when he was he was trying to get the right guys and he had a bunch of guys from Sweden which are all good craftsmen. They're all very good craftsmen from Sweden. Right. And, and, uh, he had a bunch of guys from Sweden and, and, uh, I hit it off with all of them. We were all good friends, you know? So you start, you start in the early days, right? And then, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of firsts, right? So you're, you're over there in Boyd's place, one of the first, and then, yeah. and then the TV show comes out. I mean, years later, TV show. That comes was years out. later. I, I, I had gotten fired in, <laughs> I, I got fired in, um, 1988, I think. We just finished up Cadzilla. Oh, okay. we just finished up Cadzilla for ZZ Top. Yeah, and and uh, and and uh, Boyd wanted to open up a muscle car shop, uh, aside from the hot rod shop. Right. And he goes, and and I was already doing muscle car stuff for him. We'd done a bunch of the lightweight uh, uh, Impalas, and we did a lot of that fucking the gassers altered, and all stuff, altered wheelbase stuff. Mm -hmm. Dick Landy used to build and stuff like that. Boyd was getting into buying and selling those because they were big money. Sure. And so we were doing that and he opened up a muscle car shop and then I was still doing the truck, the lowering of the trucks for uh, the GMC truck center out of, Cal out of Los Angeles. Yeah. And um, anyways, we were doing these trucks. Well, at some point this kid came in and stole a set of the keys for one of the trucks I was working on. And I had them all on a board, and he took the set of keys, and he came back that night and stole the truck. Oh wow! Well, Boyd, well Boyd, thought I had something to do with it. He goes, "What happened with that truck?" I go, "Fuck, I don't know. I mean, it was there Friday when I left, and I came back Monday, and it was gone." Anyway, so what it came down to was there was a friend of his that brought his kid over there, and that kid is the one that stole the keys and came back and stole the truck. Really? But but then that's when I I said. You know, he told he told me, well, just go home until I until I figure this out. And uh, figure it out means that I wasn't going to work, and I had to work. I was, I needed to fucking pay my bills and stuff. So I I went over to Burnt, the Swedish guy, right? And uh, he had just opened a body shop because him and Boyd had a big falling out. So Burnt opened his own body shop. Actually, Ferrari opened the body shop for him. Really? For Ferrari of North America. Because we were doing all the Ferraris at Boyd's that came in from 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 Italy. Yeah, I don't know where the fuck they came in from. Yeah, Italy. They came in from Italy on the ship, and then any damages that got done during shipping, we would fix them in the body shop. Well, Burnt fell right into that because he was from Sweden and he was already familiar with all the the the, the German paints and stuff like that. Right. So so. Uh, Burnt opened his own shop, and I went over and told Burnt. I says, "Ah, fucking Boyd sent me home," and he goes. Come work for me. And so that's when I ended up working for Burnt. That's when him and I hit it off, you know. So you started, I mean, so getting your chance to work at Boyd's, you did a little bit of ever. I mean, did you have a specialty or did you just do whatever? I like did I did glass. I did the windows for the hot rods, but that wasn't enough for for keep me busy all the time. So that's right. when I started doing the muscle cars. We were doing the 
complete restorations on muscle cars. So then you were doing everything with it, like you were doing everything. Yeah, I'd take it all apart and I'd do body work and I'd put the suspension together and detail it all and put it all. And then there was a couple. Of, there was a guy named. Uh, um, uh, Bob Bowder, mm-hmm. he was he kind of guided me. He worked for Boyd before that, and he was he was really into the muscle car. So he would any questions I had, I'd call Bowder, and Bowder would walk me through it. And anyways, that's that's another story all by itself. But anyways, uh, so so uh, I did the muscle cars, and then um, and then when Boyd fired me, I went to work for Burnt. He had a body shop. He was doing the Ferrari thing because mm-hmm. Boyd fucking told Ferrari he didn't have time to do it anymore, so they gave it all to Burnt. So Burnt had all the Ferraris, and we were doing the new Ferraris as they came in. Yeah. Testarossas and the new F40 that came out and all that stuff was all brand new at the time. Uh, we did all that stuff. And then uh, so then after that, um, um, I went to work for uh, California Street Rods in Huntington Beach. Uh-huh. I went to work for him because uh burnt just wanted me to work too many hours and didn't want to pay me for all the hours and just thought i was gonna he thought i was gonna do like he did and he was the owner of the company the owner right. always works more hours right 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 that but i'm no but i'm just an i'm just an employee and i ain't gonna work the same hours as you and not get paid for it right you know so i quit there and i went to work for uh california street rods and then i worked for traders i told you lowering lowering trucks yeah uh, up in whittier for traders trucks and yeah, it was all over. And then finally, I opened my own shop, and then Boyd came in and one day, and he he says, "Why don't you come back and work for me?" You, so you have your own shop in Southern California, and Boyd just kind of rolls in one day, like, "Hey, yeah, get back yeah. to work over here." Well, that well, that was well, that was you know when it was. It was when uh, Boyd went on this. He went public on the stock market, right? And he went on the public on the stock market, and uh, and he got thrown out of his own company. Really. Yeah, he went bankrupt, and they threw him out of his own company, and blah blah blah. Because and what's interesting was, is a lot of the bankruptcy stuff is like once they come in and they buy your company, then they can do whatever they want with it, and kind of that's right. The bank- well, you don't own the company anymore, right? Right. Once you go public, now the stockholders they own the company. You just right. you just got to keep a leg up on them. You got to keep more shares than they own. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he got. You're saying he got shafted by the people that bought the place. Yeah. Like, they were he like, got, no, he got shafted basically by the bank. The bank came in and closed him down because the, the shareholders all got together and wanted him thrown out of the company. He was doing it. You know what he was doing? He was running this show. He was running the, the company just like he did all always. Right. And he was like having sidewalk sales for wheels on the weekends and stuff where he'd sell all the extra wheels that they made that people didn't take or there the was blams or whatever. Or, yeah. yeah, blams. He would sell them on the weekends for cash. But the cash never made it past Boyd's pocket. <laughs> right. So, so they came in there and they're like, uh, "Yeah, you're you're kicked out of your company." Yeah. And he goes, "Well, you can't." Well, yeah, the, you, we can do that because you don't own the whole company. You, as shareholders, you actually sold more shares than you own. Oh wow! So they threw him out of his company, and uh, that's when he came to me and he had another deal going, and he needed help, and he said close down your shop and come work for me. And I said, well, I'm about going through a divorce right now. So if I do that, will you take all my equipment and stuff from me? He goes, yeah, I'll buy all your equipment. Just come back and work for me. So, so you go back to work for him. Is this about the time they start doing the TV show? 
This was 99. This was in 1999. So he basically rebuilds what he had already built before. Yep. He did it all, started all over again. Wow. And that's got to be brutal. And we did it and we did it and we did it from uh, um, some buses we built. This is the deal he had going that he needed help with was some buses in, in Skagway, Alaska. Mm-hmm. This this company contacted Boyd and they said, we want you to build us these tour buses. The, 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 the cruise ships would come into Alaska and they drop off people on these Alaskan tours and they needed a way to, to, to haul them around Alaska to show them around, you know, so they wanted six custom made buses to look like Mack trucks. Oh, really? And, uh, and that's, and that we did that for one year. And then, uh, that's uh, what gave him the money to, to start over again. So he, so he knocks out the buses, gets started. Then how does the TV show? Cause that's one of the, one of the first automotive reality TV shows, right? Yeah, we, we were the first, we were the first automotive. Yeah. We were the pioneers of reality TV. And uh, then, for hot rods. And then as anybody knows, you know, I'm a business owner myself. And, and as anybody knows, when you're, even sometimes if you're not the business owner, but like you care, like it's your business, they're right. going to get a lot of yeah. footage of guys like you and guys like me yelling all the time because it's like, and, and what's so funny is like you or me could care <laughs> less, right? Like we, we personally could care less. But when we're looking at things, when, like when I show up to work, my attitude is like, we're getting paid to be here by somebody who's paying us to be professional and do his job right. 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 And you, know, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like the, the portrayal on the TV show was like, ah, Dwayne's the screamer. He's the this, he's that. Uh, but, but it's kind of yeah. what they want, right? They don't want soft-spoken Dwayne. Well, they wanted, uh, first of all, the producers, they're the ones that create the drama right yeah they like they love the drama yeah the drama and they had to convince boyd that the drama was a good thing sure so then boyd I, I, you know i remember going to boyd one time and i said hey boyd you know i'm i'm taking a pretty bad rap out here these fucking guys in the shop they don't like me too well and he goes he looked at me in his boyd's fashion over his looked over his glasses and goes that's why i know you're doing your job right Right, <laughs> and I said he goes just keep doing what you're doing, Dwayne. I like it, and I pay you, so just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. So then, then I go, okay, well, fuck, I guess I can scream all I want now, <laughs> right? Because the boss told me that's what he wanted. And so you're running the guys, and obviously part part of the, I mean, I would assume in any type of business like automotive, that specialty type stuff, you're constantly bringing people in, trying to tr- get new people trained because you, as the reputation grows, you can't keep up with the, with the, with the work because you need more hands trying right. to train more people. So that, right. that element I'm assuming was a, a real element where you constantly needed to bring in new people and try to work them out. And sure. How they'd go. Well, you bring in people and, and then they tell you, they tell you they know everything and then actually they know nothing. And then you, you got to work through all those people and then you get the people that come in there and they just want to mess around. You know, they want to, they want to ham it up for the TV, for the cameras and stuff like that. And we got a fucking job to do. We got cars. We got, we had eight weeks to do each car. Eight weeks. And that's from start to finish, weeks, start to finish. No yep. way. Yep. And we did 72 episodes. Nobody. So eight weeks was for the shows. That was for the, for the show. show. So, well, here's the deal. It isn't people always, and they always played it off as, as this car had to be done for this show in eight weeks for this customer to show it at this head. There's always an excuse why it had to be done for eight weeks. But the bottom line was it had to be done in eight weeks because the production company only had so much money to make the show. <laughs> right. And they had to have it done in eight weeks or they weren't going to make any money. Right. It all came down to money. 
Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So, so then, uh, yeah, we'd get the cars done and, and I was the one responsible that the car had to be done on that day in eight weeks. And I and then put around, put up with any bullshit when these people, these guys want to come in and play around. So I just had to put, put the hammer down. And the reality is, I mean, a lot of the people you're building cars for, these are no nonsense. I mean, these are kind of people like you screw up a car, you're getting sued. It's not well, like and Boyd had and Boyd had a name. He he had to keep up his reputation. Sure. He couldn't build something half assed right. and put it out there. You know, it's Boyd car. It's gotta be the best. And from the standpoint of like overseeing all the work that's being done, you know, the way that the way that the TV portrayed you on the show, well, not portrayed you, because really the I, I was on a reality TV show back in two thousand eight and and the producer I remember him saying like, hey, don't make me look like an idiot on TV. And like, we only have what you give us. You know yeah, what I mean? That's, that's what that's what they would always tell me. Yeah. You know? and, and Boyd would say the same thing. Hey, Boyd, they're kind of making us look stupid. Are they? Or do you just look stupid? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so, uh, you know, how did you, because now you go from the car world to all of a sudden, like, I'm sure an actor. You, yeah, you go, you go, well, but you go to car shows and you go and people are like recognizing you. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah I mean, yeah. I'm my, you know, my, my experience was, was short and I, and I'm Greek. And during the time that, that speed channel had the little TV show that we were on was on people were like, I hate that fat Mexican guy, blah, blah. I'm like, Hey man, I'm Greek. I'm not, you know, you know, they, and they watch one thing and they're like, yeah. if that guy would have did that to me, I'd kill him. And it's you just walk, listen to all these keyboard warriors oh, and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, did you ever have yeah. any interesting experiences when you're out at a car show and someone acts like they know Actually, you? you know what, you know what? No, I was going to say no. It, it, you you would you would think I would have because everybody said the same thing. Uh, that little motherfucker. If you ever said that to me, I'd kick his ass. You know. <laughs> right. But but when you meet him face to face, their whole fucking their whole tune changes. Yeah. They're less like, oh hey Dwayne, how you doing, man? Can you sign this for me? Blah blah blah. So basically, yeah. it's just they're just just them talking shit when, when you're not there. But as soon as you walk up to them, they're fucking all of a sudden your buddy, you know? Yeah, and, and so now as the, as the show goes on, I mean, there's a couple seasons. The show goes from like 2004 to 2007, I think. Is that 2002 to 2008? Yeah. Oh, 2000. So the the show goes six years, and then seven, seven, years. seven seasons, seven seasons. Yeah. And is the end now? Does Boyd pass away before the show's over? Uh, well, yeah, he did. They were still filming. They were still filming when when Boyd passed, but it was starting to die down. You know, Boyd just wasn't there a lot, and uh, I was trying to keep things running while he was in the hospital and stuff like that. But so, so he was having health issues as yeah. this was coming up to it. Yeah, yeah, it was probably a year or two before that he started having health issues. So okay, but so they kept it. They kept it on the on the down low. Yeah, because it almost seemed like, from from my perspective, being a casual observer, it almost seemed like he just had a heart attack and it was it, and he was done. No, you know what I mean? No, no. Yeah. Boyd was Boyd was a long time diabetic, and right. uh, and he fought with that his whole life. But then um, when he met his third wife, uh, she was a drinker. Oh really? And and then so that got Boyd to drink again. Right. And Boyd was and Boyd was drinking and he wasn't supposed to be because he was a diabetic and and his health just started going downhill. Oh man. Yeah. That's just good. The things we do for women, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy. And your relationship with Boyd, obviously, if he comes and you know, I've had employees like that, right? Where they're it's like sometimes people would think we're oil and water, but I know he gets it done. 
And it's like right. when your back's against the wall and you're, and he comes yeah. and gets you and says, Hey, Dwayne, I need you. I mean, you yeah. guys, you guys, I'm assuming you guys had a pretty good relationship between you and boy. Yeah, we did. I mean, like I said before, we, we, I got fired twice and I quit twice right before the tv show before the tv show <laughs> so i was already familiar with boyd's the way he did shit right and i knew how he wanted stuff and i just do it that way and there's no chance of getting fired right. do what he wants he's the boss he's paying you whatever you need boy you just tell me and i'll take care of it right because that's what i'm there for I'm, I'm supposed to be the shop manager i'm gonna i'm gonna manage it you know and during that time i mean there was tons of people that just came in and out of that shop that later went on to, to find their own fame here and there. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, they're like, I think at one time, Jesse James worked there for like a, a week or two or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. It was longer than that. He was there. He was there over in the, in the, in the Cerritos Avenue shop uh, when Boyd started building motorcycles and he was going to, and he, that's when he was public. He went public on the stock market and he was, he was making all kinds of money from selling stocks Right. Not from building hot rods, but from right. selling stocks. And yeah. he, and then and he decides that little John Butera was going to build motorcycles and, and he was building motorcycles and Boyd goes, well, I want to get into motorcycles. And he had a couple of his guys that were motorcycle guys from mm-hmm. Sweden. And uh, so he says, well, in typical Boyd fashion, I'm going to get the best of the best bike builders and start building bikes. So first thing he goes to little John and hires him for some ungodly amount of money he paid him and, <laughs> and John, John fucking dropped everything and went over there, of course, to get that kind of money. Right. And then he's, then they, they said, well, Jesse James and it's, he hired Jesse James. And I mean, it was all the whole thing was, but it, that didn't last for maybe not even a year. I bet you he was building bikes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Jesse got, Jesse got screwed out of that deal. Oh really? He was, well, he wasn't really the honest guy. Yeah. He was selling shit out the back door and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, but yeah, it was, it was, it was I, I, I have a lot of respect for Jesse. Um, I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah. But, but I, I respect Jesse for what he does. He's, he's very good at what he does. Yeah. He's a, I mean, he's a, he's a talented guy and we, we've been in, in some talks back and forth about getting him on the podcast because he's got a, he's got a VW history as well. And, and yeah. the funny thing is like all these things, there's so much overlap, especially in that Southern California area. I bet you, if you could get him on here, here it, it would be interesting <laughs> because he's, I'm sure he's got a lot of good stories. Oh yeah. You know, and, and you know the Southern California. He's Long, been there. Long Beach he's area. been there, done that. He's he's done it all. He's been in all aspects of it. You know? oh, oh, absolutely. But you know, so many other people that have that have come through that place. Like, you know, you had Charlie that was doing the paint over there, and now he's yeah. he's somewhere in the Midwest now, right? Is he somewhere in the Midwest, or is he? No, he's in uh, Idaho. Yeah, he went I, back back to where he grew up in Idaho. Idaho's not the Midwest. Idaho's well, the, it's the close. West Coast. It's the, the West Coast. It's North Midwest. <laughs> but no, yeah. it's above. It's above Oregon, yeah. above California. But you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys <laughs> left California. And I think, we gotta have geographic lessons here. <laughs> we're gonna have to. <laughs> but you know, a lot of these guys, they'll work at the shop. They get her because even Chip Foose worked for Boyd for a while too. Yeah, right? he did. Yeah, yeah. Boy, Chip Foose came to work there as Boyd's in-house artist, in-house designer. Yeah, and Chip, no matter what they they had going on, uh, and in the end, Chip never has a bad word to say about Boyd. He's Boyd, you know. He looks up to Boyd like I do, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, the guy he, had a, he had a vision. You know, what I mean, the guy knew he, what he wanted. You know, he gave us all a chance to do what we wanted to do. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, and not a lot of people appreciate that platform. You know what I mean? Like yeah. as tough as it is to work for somebody until you're behind the checkbook running a yeah. business. Yeah. I don't think you really understand what it takes. And that's, and that's why to do it. Boyd hired me in the end there too, because I had already had my own business. I knew what it was like and I knew what it was all about to run the business. And, and also I, I knew how to deal with employees and also I had a history with Boyd. I knew how to handle Boyd. Yeah, that no. was the that was the <laughs> most important thing to, to to know how to handle Boyd. Well, the funny part is, I, earlier today, I, ha- I happened to be, I, I was looking at an episode of American Hot Rod, and it was like some some intern comes in, no call, no show, and you're like, oh, we got to fire you, like, like listen, yeah, yeah it's too bad, you just got to go, like. But yeah. it, it's so funny because it, when, as a business owner, if, if I watch the show through the eyes of like a business owner, I'm like, man. I, I wish I had a guy like Dwayne because as a business owner, you hope that you have other people that are as committed as you are to the business right? to make sure there's no, I mean, we can have fun and goof around or whatever, but it's like when, when, you know, you can kind of tell right. when enough is enough and it's time to get, <laughs> let's get back to work, yeah. you know? So, so let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. What kind of business, what kind of business do you have? My day job I do, I'm a granite and tile contractor and that's oh. afforded me my, um, my luxury to, to dabble in the car hobby that I do, you know? So I've had, you know, in my business, our biggest year in business was $10 million in revenue. Okay. And I had, I had a hundred employees and it's one of those things where it's like, it's really, I have this discussion with my buddy who owns a VW repair shop. I said, we're in the same business. He's like, no, we're not. I said, we both need skilled trades people that know what they're doing. Yeah. We both want guys that we both have guys that every customer walks in the door and says, Hey, would you come by on a Saturday and work at my house on my thing and just cut the boss out? Then, you know, I just kept going through all these parallels and I said, it's really the same. It's, it's, it's really a similar business, but it's like you have the struggle of having employees and how, and, and how do you get, my brother has a restoration shop and he, he's a one man deal. He's got a 5,000 foot shop that he rents for me downtown and uh-huh. he's got like 11 cars in there and he can only get so much work done. But his patience is so short to hire people and pay them <laughs> and have to redo what they did. Right. And, and, no, and I get it. And I get it. And I'm on the different end of the spectrum. Like my attitude is like, well, I don't, I don't install anything that I sell. I sell it to my customers and I coordinate all the people in between. And it's right. like, and, and you have to find that balance. Like, can you build a shop where you have, five guys and all five guys make good money and you're producing a good volume of work because a lot of these shops that I've seen out there like ring brothers. Well, I look at ring brothers as a business owner. I'm like, how in the world? I'm like, Oh, they got a huge body shop that does tons of collision work where that's all the money comes from. And then they're able to branch off into this. No, That's not really it either. I've been over to the ring brothers shop over here. It's in Wisconsin as well. Is it? Cause it, cause that was my thought. I cause I thought like, you can't, yeah. can you no, really they make have a body shop? They have a body shop, but it isn't a huge body shop. And, and I don't know how it was before, but today, if you go over there, they're doing the cars that they're building. Uh, they bring some cars in and they flip them and stuff like that. But sure, they're in they're in the machining parts and stuff as well. That's what they're doing. But I think I think that you can't start that way. There's got to be something no. that branches you off. Like you've right, got, you've got to have your bread you and butter. The, you got to have the money right in. You, you got to have your bread and right. butter to be able to do that, which I keep telling my brother. Like I'm, you know, I tell him, my advice him was like, look, you got to buy some of these inexpensive Volkswagens polish them up, spit them out and get a project on the road for somebody else. Like I can't, my name's on it. I'm like, but you, yeah. you can't have both. Well, because- there, these cars 
basically they're just stepping stones. Correct. They're just you just keep using them to get where you really want to be. Yeah, and I, I mean, and, there's a lot. There's a lot of. There's a lot of different methods and means in which you can get your end result. And what is your end result? Do you want to build cars? Do you want to chase? employees like you want to be rich right and that's the thing like who really <laughs> that's the whole end result for everybody yeah everybody wants to be wealthy right but can you get yeah. wealthy and live your dream at the same time you know yeah you can it's just it's hard to do it is it is and, and looking back at the path that you've gone through i mean are you pretty happy with where you've gone through and you know and what let's like let's talk at? about that for a minute like let's fast forward to, to today yeah um i i i have and I came back here because I told you my mother got ill and I wanted to spend time with her before she passed away. Yeah. And uh, I came up here. Um, my family's up here. Um, the whole time I lived in California, I basically rented. I rented apartments here and apartments <laughs> there. And I was constantly moving around. Right. Because I didn't have enough money to buy a house in Southern California. Right. Well, then an aunt passed away and, and I got some money and I said, I'm buying a house. So I bought a house and got married. And nine years later, that's the divorce I went through, and she took the house. Oh, that's great. And I'm like, okay, so I buy this house. Now I finally buy a house, and now it's gone because my ex-wife takes it. Yeah. Right? So anyways, um, that which is all water under the bridge now. I sure. don't really care anymore. It's I'm, I'm fine with all that. So I came up and I and I took uh, I was in running my shop in in Anaheim there for the in 2016 17 and I got some good jobs I got some real good paying jobs and then I started doing stuff for a casino out there in in, in Palm Desert uh-huh. uh Morongo Casino I don't know if you ever heard of them yeah. out there they're near Palm Springs mm-hmm. anyways I started doing jobs for them. And that was great money, you know, so I basically took all that money that I was making uh, for the last two or three years and just saved it all. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then I just bought this house up here and came up here and built a shop on my house. I got like three and a half acres of land. And uh, now my job is just keeping taking care of my property. <laughs> but and, I mean, and, and and I play with cars. It's a different cuz in California, so the the tough part like you're just a car guy and went from this place to that place, got married, got a little bit of that American dream, bought some real estate, things went bust. Yeah. And then yep. to, to stay in your own shop down there, it's 30 like a cheap place, 3500 bucks a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and just to try to get ahead and do that, you end up being down there because the cost of living down there is so high. You just end up working to pay bills. That's and, right. And my job went from my job went from building cars to just figuring out how to replenish the bank account every month. Yeah, and it it kind of becomes this grind, and it's like it. And the crazy part is, you can go to Wisconsin and live a whole different kind of life over there because yeah. the, the 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 zeros at the end of the at the end of the price tag are different from Wisconsin yeah. to there, you yeah. know? Yeah. So now you're, well, I, like, you're there. I, like I said, go like ahead. I said, I have, a, I have a shop at my house. I just walk out of my door and I'm in my shop, but, um, the whole, the whole nut cost me like fucking less than $3,000 a month. And now that you're there in Wisconsin, are you, so you obviously you've got a reputation. People know you've got clients you've been working with for years. Do people seek you out and send you cars to work on? You work on stuff locally, yeah, or a little bit, little bit. But you got to remember too, I've been doing this a long time, sure. so most of my customers are older than me. Right, right. 
So they're passing away left and right. Like every day I hear another one that passed away, the, the customers and the employees and everybody, they're all dying off. Sure. Uh, people that I learned from, people that I looked up to, they're all dying. So there's not a lot left, but I, I still get some stuff to do, you know, once in a while. I'm doing this truck for a girl in Texas, and uh, I do some my but my my buddies I grew up with, they, they're in hot rods now, and they, they bring work to me to do, and and uh but basically yeah it's it's just it's kind of like just a hobby shop now i just work in my shop i love to do it so i do it you and know? and what's your like it's obviously it brings in a little bit of money you're not desperate for anything and you're like a little bit of money and if it's a job you like what like what's the ideal job that would come in through An your ideal door job now? i just i don't, don't want to build complete cars like i'm doing one right now this truck and i and i learned from boyd a long time ago you, you can't do it all Right. You got to use people that you know can do it. So I buy ch- a chassis from this person, bring it, have it shipped over. Then I'll buy a motor here and have it shipped in. And then I just orchestrate it all and put it all together. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'll, I'll send the body out to get painted and I'll send the, I'll send the upholstery out to get done. And I just put it all together well, and, and put my name on it. And it's funny because well, I've had these debates with, with my brother because it's, I call it the Jesse James syndrome, right? Like, it got so deep with Jesse James and Paul Tuttle that Jesse James is forging his own steel. Like, yeah, bro, you just assemble stuff. I forge my own steel. And it's like some point, at some point it gets so ridiculous with like, did you build it or buy it or did you assemble yeah. it? And there's car builders yeah. and assemblers. But the reality is there's a vision by somebody that, that's designing and putting that car together. And whether the guy's right. hands-on or things right. are kind of – Someone's orchestrating the project. It's no different than a general contractor building a house with every right. nail himself or using exactly. a team of people that are going to deliver the same great end result. Exactly. Exactly. And, and and Boyd was the same way. He he always knew you can use the right people and you get all the right people to surround you, you're gonna come up with the best product in the end. Yeah, no, I think it I think it's great, man. And I and I and I think it's it's awesome that you're still doing what you love you haven't because there's so many people that work in this industry that like you see them years later like don't even show me a car i hate car you know what i mean like it became such a grind to them you know what i mean and it's like to to be able to enjoy it enough to go build a bug for yourself build a build a vw for yourself and kind of like hey i want to check this out i mean that's like i said like i said i had i had money saved up and i wasn't hurting for money and i figured now's the time to do it if i'm gonna do it let's do what i all the things i ever i wanted to do let's do them now yeah no that's awesome so you, any plans to come back to southern california or are you just to visit well i'm coming back i'm going to, to bear jackson in january yeah i don't think i'm i don't think i'm moving back there but I, i've already looked around to see where i want to live and and i may go somewhere because winters are long up here but i'm going back in january uh, to Barrett jackson i gotta help a guy sell a truck that i built um he's from uh, phoenix area yeah and then uh from there i'm going to go out to the roadster show well now all all year tra- well i'm looking forward to seeing you at the roadster show for sure and get to meet you in person um yeah I, i've got two cars you know i've built a couple cars on my own built some cars with some help from friends had my brother help me with some cars and then the funny mm-hmm. the funny thing is the two cars that i'm taking to the, the roadster show are two 80 show cars that I happen. One I actually bought intentionally and the other one, and it's weird because as a guy who wants to, you know, we come from the street cred background, like I'm gonna build it, I didn't buy it. But like mm-hmm. the one car that I own, a chop top 65 bug was was a bug that that happened to light a fuse for me and it just was just, I wasn't even looking for it and it popped up for sale. 
And I was just like, you know what? I always wanted that car. I happened to buy it. And then the other one is, it was a it was a friend of mine bought this 80s car because this whole 80s revival is coming back now where all the stuff from the mm-hmm. 80s is super cool. Yeah. And so I'll be at the Grand National Roadster Show with, uh, I think I'm sharing a booth with Buddy Hale. And okay. I've got cool. two cars on display. I want to meet Buddy too. I've never met Buddy in person. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, man. You, when you see what they've done with this bug turmoil they're building, man, it is, I mean, it, it is it is just, it's it's like a Coddington level build if you can even that's imagine cool. that on that's a cool. bug. But i can i can't imagine it yeah you can imagine that i mean you know the, i think the whole factor is when you look at a custom car it's like you look at that same ugly transmission and like nope i'm blowing it apart i'm detailing this i'm i'm smoothing that out and i'm making this yeah. you know and it's yeah. like and people put so much time effort and energy in something that maybe nobody sees but it just finishes right. the whole look of the car so what did buddy do make his own transmission uh, the, he's got, no, he's just got, they've just got, they've got a lot of custom fabricated pieces, but you got to remember in the yeah. VW world, it's got to stay within some sort of parameters. Otherwise it, it turns into pink lady. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. and if yeah. your friend, if your friend burnt is still around, man, I would love to interview him about pink lady, man. I mean, that he, is, he is, and he'll probably be out there. And if man, I see him, I'll, I'll tell him that I'll is, tell him that, that is legendary, man. Because like I said, it's yeah. a car that it's so bad. It's good. You might have to be have an interpreter. <laughs> That's all right. I'll have, I'll have you interpret for us. Right? I have. I have. A, I have. A, I had a Mexican guy that I worked with at the same time. He worked all the whole time with Burnt and I, and and Burnt worked. He worked for Burnt. He worked for me, and he did. He's been around forever, you know. Yeah. Anyways, he is the only Mexican that I know that can cuss a person out in three languages in one sentence. <laughs> He's a Swedish, English, and Spanish, and he can cuss you out in three languages with one sentence. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> but hey, maybe this will be the next year for for Volkswagen to win the Sloniker Award. I mean, the, the last time that I know of was burnt. Well, they're coming at it. I know that. I know that the. I, I know uh, Chris Addington, who builds hot rods in Bakersfield. Um, mm-hmm. He had rod bust the Rodbuster Gia. And it was a Gia. Now this is back in '85. You got to remember this car. It was. It had crazy graphics on it, and it had a full billet chassis underneath the whole car. Twin superchargers on the motor, the whole thing. And he actually won a Sloniker Award as yeah. well. Yeah. That. And, and, okay. And okay. I. He's one of my longtime interview chases that I got, and he built. It was called Rodbuster, and he built it for Iaska show car stuff, and. He he took the he took the rule book and went down every category because you know as a kid growing up and I saw the magazine and I'm a teenager you know 15 14 years old whatever I'm looking at it, I'm thinking man why would you build a twin supercharger engine with no cooling tin and blah 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 but after interviewing the guy you know he's he's in his late 60s right now and you know he, there was a purpose built show car and it was it was actually they flew it over to the I think there's a show in Sweden. Or Norway, one of the two called the Bill the the Billberg or Sport Bill Sport. Bill like, Sport, yeah, that's Swedish. So they flew Rodbuster out there for for that show. So um, yeah, mm. and we're the, I'm hoping that that Rodbuster shows up. I'm hoping Pink Ladies there. I mean, these are all legendary cars that were part of <laughs> part of the scene back then. But love them or yeah. hate them, man, that's what they were. So yeah. I'm I, I'm yeah. excited that VWs are finally getting the recognition you know, that, that a long time has been coming. So, and, and I'm stoked to get you on the podcast, man. And a talk to a hot rodder that built himself a proper Volkswagen. 
yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Listen, Dwayne, anything anything we can do to help you? Anything at all like that, man? And for people that want to check you out, you've got, you've got a Facebook page for yeah, your Facebook for your page. shop. Uh, my name now it's Dwayne Meyer. Okay. Uh, I do have a Facebook page. I think American Hot Rods, but I don't use it too much. I use my name. But yeah, I look I look forward for sure to meeting you face to face over there at the uh, Grand National Roaster Show, man. All right, yeah, me too, Bill. Thanks for coming on the podcast for sure. You're welcome, man. It was it was fun talking to you. If you guys like that podcast, make sure you subscribe to Let's Talk Dubs. Also, share the podcast with your friends so that we can grow our listener base and put out more great content. If you enjoy it, share it, and we love when you share the podcast. Now, to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com, click on store tab, and pick up some merch to support your favorite Volkswagen podcast. If you guys got any people you want interviewed, feel free to email me at bill at letstalkdubs.com, or if you have questions, uh, some troubleshooting, whatever you got, send it to me at bill at letstalkdubs.com. Finally, if you guys see me at the Grand National Roaster Show, stop by, say, hey, we'll be in a booth with uh, Buddy Hale with Type 1 Restorations as well. I'll have a couple cars there on display. Make sure you guys come out to the Grand National Roaster Show. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be epic to have the Volkswagens taking over the world of hot rodding next year. Until next week, guys. Later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have a